welcome to livealittlehigher.com. We're coming into Rosh Hashanah, hopefully, God willing, on Sunday night. And the question is, is what is the task of Rosh Hashanah? What is Rosh Hashanah all about? We know that Rosh Hashanah is, number one, it's the day in which we are judged. And we're judged for the year that passed on how we behaved how many good things we did and how not such good things we did. It's a judgment day and it's really a day in which we feel little, we feel con like contracted, eh, ashamed. We come in front of God eh, pleading for forgiveness, asking Him to renew us for a new year. We know that Rosh Hashanah is a day in which we crown Hashem, we crown our King. We nullify ourselves to be able to fulfill the will of our King, our God. Uh, so it's a coronation day. And then it's also the day in which Adam and Eve were born. It's the birthday of humanity, which connects us to our purpose, to why we're here. So what is the task of Rosh Hashanah? What is it all about? What do we have to gain from it? What, how should we emerge from Rosh Hashanah, what should be we, what should we be working on uh, in Shul in those two holy days? What what should we be thinking about? Where should our hearts be? And um, as a child, I imagine Hashem sitting in a judgment throne. He was this very very strong uh, person. That's how I imagined very grand, and he would be sitting in this, in this judgment throne in the celestial realm, and he would have a balance in front of him, and he would be judging people, and in this balance, he would put in one side what was the good things this person did, and the other side, he would put the not such good things the person did, and he would balance it out, and according to that, that's the year we would have. Well, this is not so far-fetched. In the Talmud, Rabbi Yohanan, he says that there's three books that are opened during Rosh Hashanah. The one, there's one book that is open for the utterly wicked people. There's another book that is open for the righteous people. And then there's a third book that is opened for the intermediate person, the person that, you know, that person sometimes messes it up, sometimes gets it right. And so the first book, the people that are wicked, that have no return, they, they're, they're, they're judged and they're, they're, their fate is sealed and that's it, that's the end of them. Then the very righteous people who have no bad deeds in their, in their account, they're given a blessed year and a life. And then for the rest of us, Hashem holds, puts us on hold and He, he writes, us, writes us down in the book of life, but we're not going to be sealed into it until Hoshana Rabbah. So there's a story in the Gemara that explains a little better the, the way in which Hashem judges us. Because for us, judgment is a very different we have a very different perspective of what judgment is. The way we judge is not the way Hashem judges. And there's a story that tells about a man that he was a very wicked man in a town. He was really not a nice guy. He mistreated people. He was a miser. He never gave tzedakah, never helped anybody. He was always 
getting into trouble with other people. He was a troublemaker. He was a nightmare of a guy and this guy died. He, he passed away. So the Hebra Kadisha, the people that are from the burial society, went to bury this man. They had to do the tahara, all the, what has to be done to the body before it's being buried. And one of the people that was in the Hebra Kadisha really had a very big disliking to this man. He had been especially not nice to him. So in the moment that he was preparing him for burial, he punched him in the face. He punched the cadaver in the face. So he felt bad about it because you know, it's, it's, it's a soul went to heaven, this body needs burial. He's doing a mitzvah, he shouldn't have done that. But nevertheless, he went home and that night when he went to sleep, he had a dream. And this man that had just passed away appeared in his dream. And he was luminous, he was full of light. And the person that had buried him got very scared and he woke up. So he ran to the rabbi's house, the, the, the rabbi of the town, he ran to his house in the middle of the night, went to the rabbi and he said, I had the worst nightmare, I had to come and tell you because I can't sleep, I'm very scared. So the rabbi said to him, so what's the story? He says, I don't know, this uh, such and such appeared to me in my dream. And he was luminous, he looked amazing, I don't know, and I got very scared. So the rabbi said to him, you know what, he's going to come back. The next time he comes to you, tell him that the rabbi wants to talk to him, to please come to me. So the second night he goes to sleep, the, the, the man appears to him in the dream, and he does as the rabbi said, please go to the rabbi, he wants to talk to you. So he appears to the rabbi in the dream and he's, as the man said, he was glowing, he was all light, he looked amazing. You, he could see that he was in a very, very special place in, in, in the world to come. So he says to him, tell me, where are you? And he says, well, you know, I don't know, I mean, this in Ganelem, I, I, I don't know, how did you get there? You were such a not nice man in this world, how come you're up there? says, the same question I have. I arrived and I thought I was going to hell and then suddenly I see that they're ushering me to this place and they have a party waiting for me and they are sitting me in this special chair and everybody's dancing around me and everybody's so happy I'm there and uh, I'm giving all these honors and uh, I, I asked them, well, why am I here? So the, the, the angels answered him, look, you're here because when you were a young boy, when you were a young man, you don't remember, but you were a lifeguard. And when you were a lifeguard, one day a man was uh, drowning, a young boy, a baher from a yeshiva was drowning and you went into the water and uh, you saved his life. You put your own life in danger to save this boy's life. And this boy ended up becoming a great Talmud Haham, a great rabbi, who has a yeshiva, who teaches thousands of students, and who has done a lot of good to the world. So because you saved his life, you're given the merits of all his work. And that's why you're here. So the story is a very interesting story, really. It's a very important story, I think, because it really puts life in perspective. You, ne you never know what did you do in your life that has a ripple effect that you have no idea how it extends itself 
to help other people and uh, and suddenly you're not only gaining from that mitzvah you did but you're gaining from everything that comes from it and all the people that were affected by it so so this is a story to consider that day that day that you're in front of Hashem and uh, and we're there asking for for everything we need that you never know what you do that can cause such a good outcome in another person's life or in other people's life and everything you do in your life Hashem has it written in a book it doesn't go wasted so there's an there's the excerpts of the Maxor it says it is a frightful and awesome day all of creation and their deeds are brought for inspection before God really it gets you scared uh, and the foundation of the Jewish belief is that Hashem exacts measure by measure. It's mila keneget mila. Everything that we do comes back to us. In other places they call it karma, but what goes around comes around. It's, it's the way, that system that God created. Everything that happens to you in your life really is, is a... Is a, it's a extension or it's a it's what happens because of what you did it, it, it comes because of that so the holy Ari said with all this in mind if a person doesn't manage to to shed a tear or a few tears during the days of awe it is a clear sign that something is lacking inside of him that he's lacking something so in these days the last days of Elul people are running to shoulder doing selichot they're doing teshuvah they're really going back to Hashem they're doing everything they can they're they're fixing whatever needs to be fixed if a person doesn't have a little tear in his eye then there's something that is lacking on the other hand in the book of Nehemiah of the prophet Nehemiah in chapter 8 it says that on Rosh Hashanah the people gathered in Jerusalem and Ezra the scribe read to them from the Torah and explained to them its meaning when the people realized how lacking they were in their service to God they began to cry but they couldn't stop crying they couldn't stop crying they felt horrible they were not happy they didn't feel good and the prophet Nehemiah came up to them and said to them for today is holy to your God today is a holy day it's a, it's a day to rejoice it's not a day to cry do not mourn or weep this is not a day to be sad Rosh Hashanah as serious as it is it's not a day to be sad it's a day to be happy and, and the prophet said go home eat good food drink sweet wine and and send portions to those who didn't prepare anything today is holy to our God and the joy of God is your strength so this is a very strong statement that the joy of God is our strength if Hashem is happy where that's where our strength comes and the Talmud tracted Rosh Hashanah says for what nation is there that is so great that has such righteous statutes and judgments as all this Torah what the Talmud goes on to explain is that most people if they had a court case like if most people if they're being judged in a regular court case because of something they did they would be petrified they would be depressed maybe they would be dressed in black all the time they would be gloomy they would be scared but the Jewish people are not like that and we see on Rosh Hashanah 
that we put our best clothes, we even go and buy new clothes, we buy new jewelry, we go and get our hair done, our nails done, we're looking beautiful, men are wearing new suits or a new tie, everybody has everything clean and sparkling and everybody's wearing their finest garments and we eat, we drink and we rejoice. So. So why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because the Jewish people know that through joy is where miracles come from. So from here we learn of the utmost importance to be happy and joyful and remove all worries, all worries from us because it is impending on the judgment and the trust that Hashem will give in His verdict. So, we learn from here that joy is the most important ingredient of all. A person that has no joy inside of him, Hashem cannot come near him. So the Lesivit Serabai says, and the joy of God is your strength. So the month of Elul is a time for repentance, is a, as a time of self-rectification. Uh, we're all looking inside of us, we're all uh, taking accounting of everything we do, everything we think, everything we say. We're trying to make ourselves better people, to be able to reveal Hashem more in the world, to emulate His ways in this world. But that when the month of Tishrei comes in, the service changes completely. It's not a service to go back into, into repentance. It, it's a, a, a month in which we declare sovereignty over God. Uh, we crown Him as our King and uh, we nullify our, 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 our will before Him so we can do His, uh, his mitzvot and learn His Torah. So let's go back to the book of Nehemiah the prophet and solve this contradiction in the nature of the service of Rosh Hashanah. Let's understand it a little better. And it says that on Rosh Hashanah the people were crying. This is the story of that book of Nehemiah. And when they realized how much they were lacking, when they realized how much they were lacking in their service of God, that they were really not doing everything they should be doing, Nehemiah said to them, no crying doesn't help. The Shekhinah can't dwell in a place where there is sorrow. So this, this really reminds me of, a, of once my mother, my aunt, came for vacation. She stayed in my house. And my husband, at the end of the day, when we were having dinner, he sat them there and he looked at them and said, so how, how was your day? What did you do today? So they looked at each other and they laughed and they said, well, we went shopping. And he said, what else did you do today? And they said, well, we only went shopping. We shopped all day. So he said, well, did you do anything that would make God proud of you? And suddenly they looked at each other and they started to cry. They couldn't stop crying because they realized, like, we didn't do anything for anybody today. We were just buying stuff, making ourselves happy. And they couldn't stop crying. So here the, the prophet Nehemiah, he teaches us a very, important, uh, a very important lesson in our daily life, in Rosh Hashanah especially, that one can only connect to, to God through joy. There, there's no way that we can connect to God if we're sad. Like when people are depressed, they cannot connect to Hashem. This is why we have to run away from that. 
because the whole purpose of our creation and we go back to one of the purposes of Rosh Hashanah is to celebrate the birthday of humanity which connects us to our purpose is that the whole purpose of Hashem creating this beautiful, magical, incredible world as it is, is so us can connect to Him because before us being put into this world we were basking in the glory of Hashem so it's like the sun if, if a ray a ray of the sun you can perceive it when it comes into your into your house through the through the window because you can feel it's separate from the sun because it's not you can see it as a separate entity but if you put a special uh, dress on that will not get burned and you go up to the sun and you stand inside of the sun you won't see a ray of light so the same way a soul before it comes down to this world is basking in Hashem's glory he's part of, of his emanation so he doesn't perceive himself as a separate entity from God so how is he gonna connect to him like he's already connected but the whole purpose of us being down in this world this is the purpose of creation is so that we can connect to God he wants us to give us this gift he wants us to give us the gift of connection. And, and how do we connect to him? Through the Torah and the mitzvot. This is the connectors. So therefore go home, eat good food, drink sweet wine, be happy with family, with friends, and then you will be joyful, and then you will be able to draw closer to Hashem. So the whole purpose of the Seuda, of, uh, of, uh, of, of the Seders, of Rosh Hashanah, the meals of the Yom Tov, are to help us be happy and to help us connect to God. For this is the service of Rosh Hashanah to get closer, to have the Vekus, to have a connection to God, to Hashem. This is the whole, whole purpose of creation. So what did the Ari, the Arisal mean when he st stated that one who doesn't shed a tear during the, the days of awe, when we're, how can it be? He's saying, but if someone doesn't shed a tear, then he's lacking something. What is he meaning? If they're saying on one side, Nehemiah is telling us we have to be happy and jolly. If we're not going to be happy, then we cannot connect to God and we cannot fulfill the service of Rosh Hashanah. And then the Arizal is telling us that we have to cry. So the Arizal was not speaking about tears of, of, of pain, of, of sadness, of sorrow. He was rather referring to tears of joy, of longing and desire to closeness to God. So one who doesn't shed these tears is lacking something. So I, I can relate because my daughters live uh, far away from me and my grandchildren. So. I yearn for them. Sometimes I have a tear in my eye because I miss them so much. And this is what the Arisal is saying here, that this is the tears that we should be having uh, at this moment in our life. Like, you know, you cry because you really want to connect to God. You really want to feel close to Him. You miss Him. So it's, this is easier said than done. And, 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 and the... And to shed our old ways, to throw them away and put them in a, in a closet and just not look back and go on, is not so easy. This is not easy and sometimes it's painful. It's not joyful when you're getting away from your old life, getting into a new life and you're, for example, I love dancing. I used to love to dance, go dancing. I don't go dancing anymore with my husband because this is not the, the religious, the from way to go. But do I miss it? Yes, I miss it because I love it. So 
So it's not easy to go the other direction and, uh, and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard. So I remember in my Balshuva days when I made my home kosher and uh, Rabbi Amar came to my house and uh, he came that day, he told me this yes, this no, this yes, this no, to get rid of so many things that you have since you were married, you have attachment, this person gave me this, this person gave me that, I love this dish and you cannot use them and he came to the silverware because the silverware is what Colombians used to get for their wedding uh, he took it with him, he boiled it, he took it with him to the mikvah and he brought it back and it was like already 12 o'clock at night and I was exhausted so I left it all in the, in the, in the boxes and the next day when I wake up and I go and start taking out all this uh, silverware the silverware became completely rusted it was red, it was rusted and I was like what am I gonna do? I think this is ruined so uh, my mother said no it's not ruined Call, uh, buy the anti-rust and you have to polish it again you have to polish it and I remember I spent the whole day polishing this this uh, silverware and I cried and I cried and I cried and I, I really felt I was taking away all that rust from me as I was taking the rust out of the silverware I felt it was I was getting rid of the rust inside of me but it was tears of joy and tears of pain because in a certain way I knew I was doing what Hashem wanted me to do and this reminds me of a verse in Mishlei in which it says that God is like the silversmith and there's a story of these ladies that used to learn Mishlei and they, and they, they came to this verse which is also in the liturgy of a young keeper and they didn't understand what it meant that God is like a silversmith. So one of the women went and said, you know what, I'm going to go to my sil silversmith, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to see him work and I'm going to try to analyze and see what this verse means. So she went on a day, she said, can I sit and watch you work? And she sat there for hours and hours and she saw how he had this piece of silver in his hand. He would, he would, he would put it in the, in the fire, take it out of the fire, put it in the fire, take it out of the fire, put it in the fire, take it out of the fire for hours. And she says, tell me something, if you want a coffee, for example, can't you just drop the silver inside the fire and just go and take your coffee and come back? He says, no, it would get ruined. So she says, okay, so tell me, how do you know when that silver piece is ready? He says, I know it's, re it's ready when I can see my reflection in it. The moment I can see my reflection in it, then I know it's ready. So the same way Hashem, He puts us in this uh, thong and He puts us in the fire and takes us out of the fire and puts us in the fire and takes us out of the fire. He never lets go of us. He's always holding to us. And the moment that He can see His reflection in us, then that's when He knows that we have accomplished what we have to accomplish. So the true joy comes from the achievement. Achievement is the number one joy factor in our lives. It's the feeling that we have gained something, something that we never had before. And it's the greater the gain, the greater the joy. So go out and enable finite created beings to connect with the infinite creator. Imagine, that's awesome. Like, think about it. How, the gift he gave us that he wants to us to be connected to him and God gave us the greatest gift and the greatest possibly jo possible joy 
So the parable, there's a parable of a soldier that explains this. It, there's a soldier that is assigned to a post and he's assigned on top of a bridge and he's assigned there because the king is going to come through uh, with his entourage and he has to stand there and make sure that everything's fine for the king to come through. And uh, he's there for hours and hours and he's warm, he's hot, there's a river underneath and he's w thinking, oh, maybe he's going to get this, this is so much a big of a weight, maybe I should get into the river a little bit and cool down. But what happens if the king comes right at the moment I go into the river and then when he looks, he looks, but he cannot see anything and he says, you know what, I'm going to get into the river and he gets undressed and he jumps into the river. And as he's in the river, the entourage of the king is coming. That's how it is, right? And, uh, and he's going to pass through and he's thinking, what should I do? What should I do? Should I, should I disregard the king and just stay under the bridge and make believe I didn't see him and, 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 and just not acknowledge the king? Or should I appear to him just as I am and just stand there and wait for him? So this soldier, he decided that he would go with the second option. He didn't have time to get dressed. He just jumped out of the river and stood in his post as he was. And uh, at that moment, the king passed by and he was a very wise and benevolent king. He was a wise and good king. And he understood what had happened to the soldier. So he, the soldier received a medal of honor from the king for his self-sacrifice. So the meaning of this parable, and to finish off, is that a Jew, when he must appear before the king of kings, may well be completely naked. And this is an allusion to that we may be devoid of merits, that maybe we haven't, haven't done a lot of good in our lives or in that moment. And we are naked in merits, but however, when we're summoned to be in front of the king, when the king is coming down, we run and we're, we go to meet him and, uh, and to crown him. There is no choice for us but to acknowledge the awesomeness of the day of, of, of Rosh Hashanah and to, and to raise our voices joyfully in prayer and rely on Hashem's kindness. This is what Rosh Hashanah is. So the, the, the kindness and the benevolence of the king pleading for divine mercy despite of our nakedness. Uh, we, we don't give enough credit to ourselves. And, um, and the truth is that we, as just as Hashem believes in us, we have to believe in, in Him too. We have to believe in ourselves. We have to know that we have the potential to be great that we have the potential to be great, and once we're great, we have the potential to be even greater. And we should never be lazy about it and, and, and shy about it. We should know that Hashem is there waiting for us. He's always there. He's, he's so patient. Till the last breath of our lives, He's gonna be waiting for us. So I wanna wish you Shana Tova Umetuka, Agemar Hatima Tova. You should be inscribed in the book of good life, eh, that all your merits should shine through and through. They should be heavier than any other thing that you have done. And that you should know that you have done a lot of good in this world. And like even a little thing that you do, even a smile you give to a cash register, 
in, in the supermarket, you smile to them and say good morning. You don't know what the day of this person was before she met you and what the day became for her after your smile. You don't know, even simple things can have such a big weight and such a big um, outcome on another person's life. So never take yourself for granted. Go into Rosh Hashanah happy, joyful, knowing that Hashem, Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our, our King, is always there to take care of us. He's our Father. He's a king, but he's our father. And as a father, he will always make sure that we're doing the best we can do. So, Shana Tova, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.